Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He did it, guys. It's all over. Jesse Marsh came in to Leeds United, and he saved American soccer. He defeated Chelsea. Brendan Aronson had a great game. Tyler Adams had a great game. The years of insecurity in American soccer are over. Nobody will ever tell us to call it football ever again. It's all different now. We don't even have to play the World Cup game. They'll probably give us a two-goal head start. Jesse Marsh did it. Woohoo! I mean, that's that's the way it sounds. If you read Twitter, you kind of read, listen to the mainstream media uh, right now in regards to soccer. Uh, I, I'm jesting, but it was a remarkable game. It was a remarkable achievement, and anyone that's been a fan of American soccer for a long time uh, was just just in, in 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 bliss watching that 90 minutes where Leeds United uh, dominated Chelsea and, and ended up with a three-goal lead. A huge day for American soccer, a huge day for Brendan Aronson, for Tyler Adams, and of course for Jesse Marsh. But those aren't the only stories that happened this weekend. Uh, we might be burying the lead a little bit because honestly, I think the Leeds United story is like the third most important thing that happened in American soccer this week. We also had uh, a big game from Josh Sargent that I think could potentially have major implications on the U.S. squad heading into November, uh, as well as the debut of Gio Reyna, the season debut of the player that I think next more than anyone else can can really change the way that this team plays and really give this team more of an opportunity to succeed than any other player in the lineup so it's absolutely phenomenal that he made his return there's a couple other stories that i think are going to be really important to the team all that more on this road to guitar edition of the yank report what's up my name is sam this is the yank report a show about the u.s men's national team u.s soccer all that good stuff if you're into that uh, go ahead and hit the like button hit the subscribe button join the party if you really want to support the channel you can become a member just hit the join button uh the member section really helps to support what we do here and helps keep the channel going so thank you so much to the members bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, I think we're going to have to start out with Leeds United. I mean, coming into the weekend, it was just this major headline. You had Jesse Marsh in Leeds, along with Brennan Aronson and Tyler Adams, three Americans participating on that side, heading up against Chelsea, uh, a team that many Americans follow because Christian Pulisic, the poster child for American soccer, is playing there. A lot of storylines coming in, the Thomas Tuchel red card, not red card, Jesse Marsh having a lot of fun in the media. Uh, Christian Pulisic, is he leaving Chelsea? Is he staying at Chelsea? Is he going to play for Chelsea? Does Thomas Tuchel hate his guts? What's going on there? A lot of that coming in. And then this Leeds team that seems to be off to a good start uh, showed that, you know, Jesse Marsh kind of knows what he's doing with this whole coaching soccer thing. But then last week they lost a lead uh, and there was questions about, you know, how would this Leeds team look going up against uh, one of the more dominant teams in the Premier League? And I think a lot of those questions were answered. I mean, Brendan Aronson has 
another big game, another uh, almost man of the match type performance. You see his relentless effort. You see his ability to attack the uh, the open field in the transition game. I mean, he absolutely undressed Jorginho in the middle of the field. Jorginho, uh, one of the players who not too long ago was considered one of the best midfielders in the world. I don't know if too many people are still saying that, but uh, just something to be said there. Uh, and really just continues to show off more and more assets of the game and really prove that proof of concept that the things Brendan Aronson does, his relentless effort, uh, his ability to get after it, his ability to run at players in the open field, it translates to the highest levels of the game, which is something that's going to make decisions for Greg Berhalter come November and maybe even come September all the more difficult as more and more players get healthy and are, are able to go in this best 11 for the U.S. men's national team. Greg's going to have some difficult decisions on his hands. Now, I, I think uh, the two things I really want to mention from this game are, are number one, Brennan's goal, which really was the quintessential Brennan Aronson goal, just the effort, the relentlessness, and just being... So much quicker than, than players think he is. I mean, you see this small, skinny guy coming at you, and you don't really expect much. I, I think uh, Jack Harrison had an interview uh, recently on Elite's podcast where he kind of talked about this. He just gets on you so much faster than you think he will, and he's so much quicker than you think he is that he's able to just win balls back um, just constantly uh, as an attacking midfielder. And that's what we saw on display on Brennan's goal. He attacks Edward Mindy. Uh, Mindy thinks he can get by him, but uh, is not used to the Medford Messi. He's just never faced anything like it, and Brennan's able to easily dispossess him and walk it into the back of the net. Uh, just truly a, a really impressive and really exciting moment in the career of Brendan Aronson. Uh, the second thing I want to discuss is one of the major criticisms that I've been, or qu- question marks, I should say, not a criticism, a question mark of Brendan Aronson that I've been lobbying against him is his ability to take players on, uh, to, to beat players 1v1 whenever they're dug in in the final third. And I saw a lot of people saying, you know, in this game, he undressed Jorginho and he had another player that he kind of, uh, I forget who it was, that that he just spun by uh, in a really impressive fashion and say, you know, people say he can't take players on one-on-one. Well, what about this? And I'll say this, uh, both those moments were in transition in the open field, which is where Brendan is, uh, is fantastic. You can't really question Brendan running in the open field whenever the defense is disorganized and, and running back in transition. The question is, what happens whenever the defense is uh, dug in? Whenever the defense is sitting in a low block, what what can he do then? Is he able to take players on effectively then? Is he able to find passes then? That's the question that I have. So that's still a question uh, that, that I have moving forward. Uh, though I got to say, uh, he's... He's beginning to prove the doubters like me wrong week after week after week and is showing that he absolutely uh, can perform at the highest level um, in, in any type of game because, I mean, take nothing away from his performance. It was absolutely tremendous. Speaking of players who have been questioned and have risen to the moment, I mean, Tyler Adams is quickly becoming a fan favorite over uh, for Leeds because they appreciate the things that he does. Uh, In that same interview with Jack Harrison, he talked about Tyler Adams, about how he just gets to places that you don't expect him to be so much faster than you would expect any player to get there. It's his 
ability to be a one-man uh, transition defense, to shut down counters by himself. And you saw it a couple times against Chelsea. It's difficult to appreciate because you really got to understand what you're seeing in the process in order to uh, really appreciate it. These moments where uh, Leeds or whoever Tyler Adams is playing for, he does it a lot for the U.S. Men's National Team, but in this case, Leeds is unbalanced and uh, Chelsea has a moment to break and Tyler Adams just hits a sprint. He corrals a player. He forces them to slow down. He allows the defenders to get back. And although he doesn't ultimately win possession or, or come up with a tackle or anything like that, nothing that'll wind up on the stat sheet, he slows down that counter and he, he allows the team to get back and just changes the, uh, the momentum of that possession for his squad. He does this constantly, um, and it's it's the thing that it's the reason why the difference between the U.S. Men's National Team with Tyler Adams on it and without it is such a stark and different contrast. It's the reason why teams like the U.S. Men's National Team and teams like Leeds are able to play so aggressively because this guy is so damn good at anticipating and shutting down counterattacks and allows you just the freedom to to press and be so much more aggressive. Soccer is this sport. Uh, it's so interesting. I had a discussion w- about this with someone online recently. Soccer is this sport where so much of the defense is affected by the offense and so much of the offense is affected by the defense. And, and a player like Tyler Adams gives a team like Leeds who wants to be aggressive that ability, that freedom to be aggressive because he's able to shut things down. If you remove him from the defense, it affects the offense in a tremendous way. Uh, if you remove Tyler Adams from that team, I'm not sure that they have another player who can uh, so reliably shut down these counter opportunities, uh, which means Leeds' aggressive play is going to lead to a lot more goals. I think you saw that last season uh, with Bielsa at the helm, where, where Leeds was giving up a lot more goals. Now, they changed their system, their, their zonal instead of man marking, so there's other things that go into it, but I, I think you got to give credit where credit is due and just appreciate the things that Tyler Adams does when he's on the field. Uh, I know that he's not the maestro with the ball at his feet. I know he's not picking out passes like Jorginho, but what he does, what, what he offers to a team that plays in the playing style like Leeds, I think is invaluable. Uh, speaking of that playing style, I mean, Jesse Marsh just week after week uh, is becoming a star. I think he's becoming a star, not even just um, in the U.S. men's national team circle where he pretty much even was a star already. But I think in the greater sports circle, I'm beginning to hear his name more and more. I was listening to uh, Pardon My Take this morning and they mentioned Jesse Marsh, even though they said his name wrong. Uh, they mentioned Jesse Marsh as as this Ted Lasso figure, which, you know, we don't have to get into that right here. But just the fact that people are taking interest and noticing that there's this American coach in the Premier League and he's he's unapologetically American and is bringing this um, this bravado and this aggressiveness to this league and beating teams like Chelsea in the process. It's just really cool for the sport, really cool for the for American soccer. You got to love his uh, pregame interview where he kind of didn't back down to Thomas Tuchel. And then his postgame interview where, you know, Thomas Tuchel made these comments uh, saying that I, I forget exactly what he said, but he took some of the credit away from Leeds and Jesse Marsh. And, and Jesse Marsh came through and said, the reason why Chelsea played the way they did is because we made them play the way they did. Just really cool from Jesse Marsh. Seems like the type of leader uh, that you'd love to have. Now, there was an American playing on the other side of that game, and that was uh, Chelsea's Christian Pulisic. Now, 
In case you've been under a rock and this is the first time you've watched an American soccer video this year, uh, things haven't been so great for uh, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea for a while now. There's been a lot of questions over whether he would leave uh, in this transfer window, whether he is appreciated or trusted at Chelsea. Uh, I, I think that we've shown in the first three games, Christian has come in as a substitute in all three games. He seems to be a big part of the club uh, going forward. I, I do believe that whenever uh, Chelsea starts playing the cup matches and the Champions League and all the other competitions, uh, that Christian's going to have a lot to say there. And I will also say that it seems like the first three games, uh, Chelsea has just not been effective at, at scoring a lot of goals and creating a lot of chances. Now, they have created some chances and some opportunities that they missed. I mean, Raheem Sterling's chance comes to mind very early in the game against Leeds. He has a great opportunity if he's able to put that away. It's a very different game for Leeds and Chelsea. Uh, however, the Chelsea attack has not been uh, very reliable or efficient at putting these chances away. So it kind of calls into question just a lot of things going on at Chelsea. And, and one of the main things is this system that Thomas Tuchel instituted whenever he got to Chelsea, this three-man backline system, do, are we getting to a point where he's going to have to make some changes in order to uh, right the ship and create some more attacking opportunities for Chelsea. Because Chelsea, if they want to be contending for the Premier League Championship, can't be getting you know smashed over at Leeds 3-0 in, in the beginning of the season. That's not going to go well for them. Uh, so Chelsea off to a rough start with one win, one draw, and one loss. Now the Leeds story was absolutely huge in U.S. Men's National Team circles, but honestly, I think it was the third biggest story of the weekend. The second biggest story of the weekend has to be Josh Sargent. Now, last week, Josh Sargent scored a goal the day that I released the video, so I wasn't able to talk about it in that video, uh, but it was exciting to see Josh Sargent score a goal. Uh, Timu Puki, the, the normal uh, striker for Norwich, who's been their striker uh, for a few seasons now, a proven goal scorer at, at both the championship and the EPL level, was out of the game, so Sargent gets the nod over at striker. And, and puts together a pretty good game and, and scores a goal. Um, now, we've seen Sargent score goals in the past, so you know I, I'm not putting all my eggs in the Sargent basket there, but then we come along to the next game. Uh, Pookie is still out. Sargent gets the knotted striker, and he gets a brace. And it wasn't just a... A, a ho-hum brace. It was a brace where Sargent really had to work for it. He put together two really good goals, and by the time that second goal came around, I was really having flashes back to 17-year-old youth prospect Josh Sargent, a player that is a little bit more physical than you expect him to be, a little bit quicker than you expect him to be, and once he gets into the box, is just a ferocious and super confident finisher. We haven't seen that guy. We haven't seen that Josh Sargent for a few seasons, certainly not since he's been at Norwich. However, the reemergence of Josh Sargent creates some really interesting question marks for Greg Berhalter heading into September. I mean, listen to what Greg Berhalter described as his ideal striker in his interview with Alexi Laos on Fox Soccer not too long ago. He says, uh, we need a relentless presser. Uh, we need someone who can arrive in the box and finish chances and a guy who can run in and behind. Uh, I think Josh Sargent has a few of those things. I do think he's a relentless presser. Uh, we, we've shown uh, statistics in the past that show that Josh Sargent is an elite 
presser, an elite defensive forward, um, a, a player that you can really build a press around um, at the highest level of the game. So he's got that definitely. Arrive in the box and finish chances. That's the thing that he hasn't had in his game for some time, but he absolutely had at the youth level. And it's the thing that he's showing flashes of right now in this good run of form that he's putting together for Norwich. And, and that's the question. Is this a, a good run of form or is this something that he's going to build on and, and, and we're going to see evidence of throughout? So has Josh done enough to solidify himself in that September window? I don't think it's he's quite there yet, uh, but I think he's very close and a few more good performances uh, could put him over the hump uh, and get him in that September window, which would really be great for his chances at making the World Cup. Really great to see from a player that I think a lot of us have been pulling for for a long time. Uh, I would love to see Josh earning a place on the plane to Qatar. Uh, that would just be tremendous. Speaking of the striker pool, I think Jordan Pifak is continuing his his great start to the season for Union Berlin. Uh, he scored a goal against RB Leipzig. It was his second goal of the Bundesliga season. Uh, a, a, a classic kind of Jordan Pifak goal where he gets fed up ball right down the middle uh, and is able to basically take a touch and finish it. Uh, a really nice finish from uh, from kind of outside the box and Jordan Pifak shows off his strength, uh, shows off the kind of his true number nine capabilities just a classic number nine goal before I listed the expectations that Greg Berhalter gave for the striker position for the U.S. Men's National Team and PFOC doesn't really meet that uh, PFOC is not a player that's going to run in behind he's not a player uh, that's going to press a whole lot but what he does offer is a, is a great change up and, and a player that can come in late in the game uh, can be a force in the box can win headers and can find you a goal he can steal you a goal somehow some way and I really like that uh, for him for the U.S. Men's national team. The question, though, is that throughout World Cup qualifying, Greg has not really brought in that change-up striker uh, and has not really shown an affinity for, for doing that late in game. So uh, will, will this be another evolution of Greg Berhalter where we see that from him? Uh, I hope so, because I think that Jordan Pivak can add a lot to this national team uh, at the World Cup. Now talk about burying the lead. I think the biggest story from the weekend for the U.S. men's national team was not Leeds. It was not Josh Sargent. It was the return of Giovanni Reina. He gets 35 minutes against Bremen. It wasn't a fantastic game for Dortmund against Bremen. However, Gio came on and he looked like his old self except maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit more confident. And all those things are very good signs for the U.S. men's national team heading into September, heading into November. I think it's imperative that Gio is able to come in in September and get some starts, uh, register some quality time with that U.S. men's national team attack, give Greg Berhalter an opportunity to try him out uh, in the midfield as an attacking midfielder, as an inside forward, or as an inside winger. Just kind of just feel it out because... Gio Reyna has not had a lot of opportunity with this squad throughout World Cup qualifying. He's been injured throughout the majority of, of World Cup qualifying. But Gio Reyna is the type of player that is just different than any of the other attackers that we have right now. Throughout World Cup qualifying, the big issue for the squad was creativity in the final third. And if you take a look at the, the players that we have at our disposal, there's just not a lot of players that offer that. He has the quality that could potentially be the best player at the World Cup for the U.S., the breakout player, not just for the U.S. men's national team, but in world soccer. He's, he's that type of quality. So to have him returning to form, to have him coming back for Dortmund is just tremendous news for the possibilities for the U.S. men's national team. I mean, we're heading into September and we're heading into November with the possibility that someone like Brennan Aronson, who is registering normal starts for uh, Leeds in the Premier League, 
might not get uh, be a starter for the U.S. Men's National Team. That's just tremendous news. Uh, people are, are really coming into form and really fighting for those roster spots, and, and, and things are, are looking very good for the U.S. Men's National Team. Speaking of players that we hope will have a big impact in November, Chris Richards comes off the bench for Crystal Palace and registers four minutes against Austin Villa. It's the second game in a row where he comes off the bench uh, and gets some minutes. Now, four minutes is not a lot. Four minutes is not enough time to kind of really gain much of anything. But I think the exciting thing for Chris Richards is coming into the season, uh, taking that big step up to Crystal Palace and coming into a position at center back right before the season starts, a position where traditionally players don't get a lot of opportunities, where you got to wait for somebody to be playing really bad or uh, maybe an injury to really get an opportunity. It seems like Crystal Palace is is, is um, cognizant of getting some minutes for, for Chris Richards to bring him, bring him in early. They really see something. And, and I think that that's a very good thing because the real concern that I had was he would go to Crystal Palace and he would not register any minutes uh, until November and we would have a Chris Richards that just hasn't had any playing time for a long time at that point. And, and that would be very scary. Right now, it seems like Chris Richards is very much in the plans for Crystal Palace, and hopefully whenever cup season comes along, which is not too far away, he might be registering some starts, getting a lot of minutes, and getting at least in in decent form heading into, into November, where we're really going to need Chris Richards because the cover at center back is absolutely bare. Last but not least, let's go to our long shot section, and we have a, a newcomer to the long shots. He, he is He's a newcomer to the long shots, but he's certainly not a newcomer to the U.S. Men's National Team discussion, and that is Tim Ream, uh, the center back, the longtime center back for Fulham. Uh, a lot of people expected coming into the EPL season that he would not get many opportunities in the Premier League to start, that Fulham would be bringing in another center back that would relegate Tim Ream to the bench. But so far, Tim Ream has uh, played, I, I think, I think he started every game for, for uh, Fulham. I, I'll have to look that up. Uh, but he's been getting a, a ton of minutes for Fulham, and he's playing pretty well. This Fulham side is looking pretty good. Um, and, and Tim Ream playing well for Fulham, getting those Premier League minutes uh, at a position where the U.S. Men's National Team is not very deep, has a, a lot of fans out there going, why not Tim Ream for September? Why not Tim Ream as a possibility uh, to be a center back in Qatar, to start in Qatar? Uh, to that, I say I, I still don't think that he, um, he he fits the qualities that Greg Berhalter is looking for in a center back. Uh, you know, Greg Berhalter has said many times that he's looking for uh, center backs that can come up and win one-on-one duels and cover space in behind. We know that Tim Ream, while a, a brilliant passer of the ball, is not known for um, his his speed, uh, his his range, his his ability to cover distance, which I think. Um, makes him not a candidate to be a, a, a center back uh, in September and beyond for the U.S. Men's National Team. Though, considering the options that we have, um, it, it would be uh, interesting, I guess, for a, a, a Premier League starter not to make the cut for the U.S. Men's National Team uh, moving forward. So that's all I got for you this week for the Road to Qatar series. I, I know a lot of people like in the comment section say, like, but what about this player? But what about this player? Remember, the Road to Qatar series is all about recapping things that are actually going to impact the U.S. men's national team. I know Anthony Robinson's playing really well, but Anthony Robinson's the starter at left back, and there's not a lot of news there. Uh, Eunice Moose is playing uh, as a as a right center midfielder for Valencia. 
Eunice Musa is the guy. You know, we don't really need to recap Eunice Musa. Uh, and like Tanner Testman had a really good game for Valencia for Venezia in uh, Serie B over in Italy, but I don't think that he's in the U.S. Men's National League discussion. Uh, but still, you know, worth looking into Tanner Testman news if you want to check that out. That's cool to see. Uh, so, what did you think were, were the biggest stories of the week? Are you in agreement with me that Gio Reyna is actually the biggest story of the week, and it's not Leeds or, or Josh Sargent? What do you think about Josh Sargent's situation? Do you think he keeps it going? Uh, thoughts on Leeds? Thoughts on Christian Pulisic at Chelsea? Let me know in the comments section. As always, si puede hablar espanol. Déjame un comentario en espanol. Speaking of espanol, if you want the Vamos Estados Unidos shirt, uh, the shirt that is taking over the internet right now, you have a few days left to buy it, depending on whenever you see this video. Uh, the, the, the sale ends Saturday, so make sure you jump on that. Uh, if you like Since 76 but don't want this shirt in particular, or you, know, you just want to see the next designs, make sure you sign up for the mailing list. Check us out on social media, Instagram, Twitter uh, at Since76Apparel so you're always up to date on whatever the latest designs are. Guys, thank you so much for watching. If you want the important podcast form, you can find it anywhere podcasts are podcasted. Shout out to my tier two members. You guys are the ones that really help keep this channel going. If you want to support the channel, consider becoming a tier two member. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you guys so much for watching. My name is Sam and this is the Yank Report brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.